1: Hey everybody, welcome to another Facebook Live of Women's Online Wellness, private Facebook page. It's great uh, all of you folks are here, welcome, uh, and especially thank you to those folks who are watching this afterwards. I know this is kind of a bad time, this is Friday afternoon at 5.30. Uh, I know most of you are probably at happy hour, uh, I just got back from Aiken, I was picking up my number for a race tomorrow, that's what everybody does on a Friday afternoon. But I know this is probably not the best time, but I wanted to get something in this week, and. Uh, especially based on this topic, based on the interest that, that has been expressed on the Facebook page so far. So I wanted to make sure that we got one in. And if, if uh, obviously, if you're not here live, then please uh, pick it up later in the, in the playback in the video section on the website or on the Facebook page. First, I want to quell a terrible, terrible, hurtful malicious rumor that's out there, Uh, I am not quitting practice to join a professional basketball team in Ukraine called the Sea Monkeys. I'm just not going to do it. Next to those guys, I'm pretty much a dwarf, and my jump shot's just not what it used to be. But what I am doing is I am stopping the OB portion of my practice. After 32 years of delivering babies, it's time to hang up the old umbilical cord and, and call it quits. What I am going to do is continuing practicing full-time gynecology. I'm going to be going full blast with that, with our weight loss program, with a variety of different things, little different irons I've got in the fire. So uh, any, I actually have heard, and the reason I bring this up is I have had some patients make comments that they have heard I'm retiring. Well, no, I'm stopping my OB practice, but I'm going to be doing full-time GYN, so if you hear anything from uh, anybody that, please squelch that rumor that I'm going to be around a long time. I've got two daughters, so I don't need to tell anybody that I need to work. That should be obvious. Uh, So anyway, moving on, moving past that. uh, Today, I wanted to address a topic that was expressed almost universally by people who answered the question about what challenges do you tend to have a lot in the midlife, and that was weight gain and weight control. And when I look back at uh, people who expressed an interest, it was uh, almost universal with those folks. So I know it's a major issue, and of course, I know that's a major issue just from folks that I talk to in the office every day. So I wasn't surprised at that. So what I'd like to do, and this is probably going to be part one of maybe five, six, seven parts as we go through uh, this topic. And it's not all going to be sequential. I'm going to do some other things along the way. But as you can well imagine, this is a very complex, very uh, uh, intensive subject that can't be tackled in just 10 or 15 minutes. So I want to do do it right. So I'm going to be doing it probably over several sections. But what hopefully you're going to learn tonight is a very common myth that is absolutely critical to explode because so many people base their weight loss, whether it's in midlife or any other part of the time, on this myth that if they get that wrong from the start, then everything they do from that point on is doomed for failure. So you're going to learn what that myth is. And then second, you're gonna learn how to overcome that and what are the criteria? What are the things you really need to look for if you're looking to lose weight? How can you evaluate what your plan is? And you have to have a plan. That's a very important caveat. This just doesn't happen randomly. And again, I'm gonna try to tailor this as much as I can to folks in the, the midlife and menopause and beyond because that's really who we're we're targeting but a lot of this information applies across the board Uh, but you do have to have a plan but if that plan is based on misinformation it's doomed to failure so that's what I hope you get out of out of tonight and again now remember this is live and I do have access to uh, comments and hopefully as you have signed in you have an area there where you can make comments or questions and if I can address those I will tonight, but certainly I will uh, take note of those. And if we don't address them this evening, we'll make sure we get to those uh, as we cover this topic. A few years ago, many of you know that I wrote a book. Uh, in fact, here is a copy of the book. See if I can, this camera works backwards, so see if I can. Healthy Habits for a Fit Family. And that book had a lot of things that were right. I got a lot of things right. But I did get something pretty big wrong. And that's really the myth that I want to explode first and foremost. And that's that losing weight is simply a matter of energy balance. And by that I mean we've all heard this idea of calories in and calories out. If you simply take in less and burn off more, you're going to lose weight myth. It is not true. Now let me go into some detail and explain that because I think it's it's very important that you understand because there is some truth in that but if you base your either explanation for why you're gaining weight or why you're not losing weight simply on that concept of calories in versus calories out, you're setting yourself up for failure. So, let me explain that. The the simple equation is that energy in equals energy out plus the change in body stores. And I think the overall equation itself in many ways is valid and I'll explain that. Now, of course, you've all heard of the first law of thermodynamics. We all had such wonderful memories from high school physics when we learned these things and most likely have never used them since. But the reality is the first law of thermodynamics does actually work when it comes to the body. In other words, you don't, you don't create or destroy energy, it just changes forms. Well, in the body, the form of energy that it gets stored as is oftentimes fat. And it's important to know that this equation still is valid. Just because it's pertaining to our bodies doesn't mean that the laws of physics go out the door. The problem arises is how we interpret those calories in and calories out and the things, the variables that go into that equation that a lot of times we have difficulty uh, getting accurate. So for example, let's take the energy in. Uh, At the outset that gets a little dicey. First and foremost, not all foods are created equal. Uh, To my regret, in the book, I had a quote that is quite common, and that's a calorie is a calorie is a calorie. So whether it's a protein, a carb, or a fat, a calorie is a not true. That's not the case. In the lab, that's the case. In other words, if I took a, a gram of fat, and a gram of carbohydrate and a gram of protein, and I burned them in a little calorimetry in the, in the lab, yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna be, uh, the, the gram of fat's gonna have nine calories, the gram of protein's gonna have four calories, and the gram of carbohydrate's gonna have four calories. And so we kind of take that information and make it applicable to our bodies when that's just not the case. The way that is affected in our bodies is very different. In other words, when you eat protein, it's metabolized in the body very differently than when you eat a fat, than when you eat a carbohydrate. Not only is the metabolism different, but the signals and triggers that happen in the body, when you ingest those different nutrients, can be vastly different. In other words, the hormone environment that controls virtually everything from hunger to feeling satisfied uh, to even how your body utilizes things like insulin. Basically, what the practical takeaway from that is, you can't just simply say a calorie is a calorie is a calorie. Amounts do matter to a degree. In other words, you can't go out and eat 10,000 calories a day and expect not to gain weight amounts do matter on that same flip side you can eat 400 calories a day and you're gonna lose weight now you're not gonna be real healthy but you're gonna lose weight so amounts do matter but I don't think they matter as much as the emphasis that we have placed on them in the past so my take home point with with this idea of energy in and energy out is calories do matter, but what matters more is the type of calories. Because what happens in the lab doesn't necessarily translate to what happens in your body. Uh, So the, the components of the food, the amount of protein, the amount of fat, and we can even get into the difference between the types of fat because that makes a difference too. So I don't want you to get so hung up on total calories as I want you to begin to understand that it is the composition of those calories that is in many ways much more important than the total calorie amount. That is a very, very basic idea, but it's absolutely critical to understand because so many approaches to losing weight in particular are based solely on calorie content or calorie amounts and not content. You can't do that if you're going to lose weight and keep it off on a consistent basis. And it really comes down to the tremendous variation within each one of us. We are all unique beings. And when it comes to weight loss for one person, it certainly doesn't necessarily make sense for that other person to use the same process because it may not work. It frustrates the the holy cow out of folks because spouses especially you'll see your your husband will eat something and and you can eat five pizzas and he may be fine and you look at a drop of ice cream and you can't fit into your pants the next day. It just doesn't seem fair but that illustrates the tremendous variation between individuals. We're learning so much more every day about the regulators of fat loss, weight loss, and weight gain. And it's huge, the the variety of things that can affect that. If anybody says that weight control is simple, they're either speaking from ignorance or they're trying to sell you some kind of crazy product or, or who knows what because it's not simple it is it is complex and if you begin to understand that at the very start one you can eliminate a lot of the crazy stigma and guilt and really uh, approaches to weight management that really drive me crazy this is especially evident when I see young people that I'm working with to to help them with their weight and they are so traumatized oftentimes by the stigma that's attached to being overweight and the problems associated with that psychologically and it largely comes from absolute ignorance. I mean the the people who who think Either overtly or covertly that someone who is overweight is lazy or they, they just don't exercise or they're, uh, they're it's their own fault completely that they're overweight uh, they're just ignorant that's the only I, I'm being nice because some of them are just stupid but in most of the cases they're they're just ignorant because there's so many complex things uh, genetics We're seeing more and more genetics plays a huge role in everything from the way uh, calories are metabolized to uh, cravings to neurotransmitters that interfere with how satisfied you feel. The realm of genomic studies as regards to weight is exploding. There's some estimates that somewhere between 65 and 70 percent of a person's weight Is related to their genes, their genetics. Now, some of you may look at that in a defeatist attitude and say, "Well, great, that you know I'm just a captive, chained by my genes." But the good news is there's another area called epigenetics, where what we do, our activity levels, what we eat, how active we are, even things like our moods and emotions, can impact the genes and and regulate how those genes are expressed. Fascinating studies done in twins who are genetically identical, but they've been able to determine that even something like stress can affect how the genes in one person are expressed as opposed to someone on the other uh, of the same genetic capacity. So we're not prisoners of our genes. We can alter that to some degree based on the things that you do and even the environment. So that's a kind of a long way around of making sure people understand that that their genetics, uh, their family history, uh, their nutrition, their emotion, uh, their medications, uh, even some stuff that goes on before you're born. That's We're even seeing some really amazing stuff about the nutrition in, in the growing fetus and the things that they're exposed to how that can affect their later propensity towards being overweight so the bottom line with all that is i want folks to get out of that mode of thinking negatively about their weight and start looking at what they can do positively about that because that's that's the beginning point A lot of this is above the neck. A lot of it is based on your attitude, your ability to pick a approach that's going to work for you. Uh, We mentioned earlier about the impact that hormones have, either the lack or taking hormones, and that's a whole nother topic that I want to get into uh, and really devote adequate time to that. But I wanted tonight just to kind of lay the groundwork so people know where I'm coming from and the approach that I'm going to take uh, and make sure that as we travel this path that we are, are thinking along the same lines. So understand that this is a very, very complex issue. It's not simple. It's not simply a matter of willpower. There are multitudes of factors that range anywhere from your genetics to your age to your activity level to your family history. All those have to be taken into consideration. There is no simple solution. So what I want to leave you with today is some guidelines. So if you're out there right now and you're saying, all right, I need to lose some weight. More importantly, the motivation is coming from inside, not because a doctor or a spouse or a friend said you need to lose weight. It's something inside you that's saying, I want to be healthy. I want to be around for my grandkids. I want to travel. I want to do all the things that I may not be able to do if I develop some of these chronic illnesses that can result from this. If that's where the motivation's coming from, it's coming from that internal set, then you're, you're in a good place to begin finding a plan, begin figuring out how you're going to go about to do it, how you're going to achieve this. If you don't have a plan, if you don't have a map, you're not, going de- you're not going to fulfill that goal. You're not going to reach that end point. You've got to know where you're going. So that's why I'm starting with this approach to convince you that whatever approach you take, and there's no way I can sit here and tell you what's going to work for you, and that's why I've kind of shied away from saying, you ought to do this, you ought to do this, you ought to do this, you ought to do this. Because that doesn't apply to everybody. But what you can do is take this information and use it as your criteria for judging whatever plan and approach you begin to adopt. Whether that's a, a commercial plan or whether it's a book or whether it's some other approach or, or, or a, or a form of weight loss program if they don't meet these criteria it ought to raise a red flag so what are those and by the way don't worry about taking notes I know I know all of you are sitting on there just just waiting so you can write things down I'm being sarcastic of course what I will do is I will put a a a note file on the web page on the Facebook page with all this stuff listed so you can just go back and refer to that But I think these are are eight criteria that are absolutely critical for choosing the direction that you're going to go with this program.
0: Uh,
1: And hopefully, I've convinced you that you have to have a plan to go about that. First of all, and it sounds a little obvious, but it's absolutely true is one, is it healthy? Going on a five-day lemongrass cleanse with the intent of losing weight not healthy going on the 30-day Twinkie diet is not healthy now those are rather obvious but also you've got to understand that there are a lot of diets out there and I don't even like that term die I I mean why would you use a term that starts with die There's a lot of approaches to weight loss that work. A whole bunch that work. But there's very few that are actually healthy for the long term. And that brings me to the second point, is it's got to be something that you can use for the long term. I don't even talk about diet. I talk about lifestyle change. The biggest problem people get into is this roller coaster, this up and down, this up and down. Gain 5, lose 10. Gain 12, lose 6. And that actually creates more danger from heart disease and other issues than staying 20 pounds overweight. So I'd rather you be 20 pounds overweight and stay that way than doing this up and down stuff. And that is why whatever plan you choose, it has to be something that you can do six weeks from now, six months from now, six years from now. That's why so many of the really restrictive approaches Take, for example, something like Atkins. Uh, You're going to lose weight if you follow that eating style. But you're going to be miserable in a few months because it's not sustainable and it's not healthy long term. So whatever you choose has to meet that criteria. It has to be something that you can do now and 10 years from now if you really want that long term success. The third criteria, and this is an absolute must, if whatever program you're involved with doesn't contain some form of exercise, run away, literally run away. There is no legitimate program in the world where you are looking at sustained healthy weight loss that doesn't at some point involve activity level, exercise. Probably the number one component of successfully losing weight and keeping it off, that's the important thing, keeping it off, is maintaining a consistent activity and exercise program. And I'm not talking about training for a marathon. I'm talking about something as simple as walking on a consistent basis. And again, it varies across the board as to how much or how little. Obviously, there are different criteria If you're 63 and have arthritis in the hips, you're going to be doing something very different than someone who's 30 and has no medical restrictions. But regardless, if if the plan that you're looking at, or the program you're entertaining, or the book you're reading, or or the place you're going to doesn't involve exercise, something's very, very wrong. Number four is, can you learn from it? And by that I mean, is it have enough information about why you're doing the things to really be able to implant it in your brain later on? There are a lot of programs that don't spend a lot of time talking about the whys. I think that's critical. I think it's very important for you to know why you're eating more protein or less protein or more carbs or less carbs because that knowledge base allows you to make decisions later on when you run into roadblocks. So it has to be informational and it has to be valid information. It can't be something that is based on anecdotal evidence. It can't be anything based on pseudoscience. It has to be something that is valid and that you can learn for it. Uh, number five, the program has to be flexible enough to allow you to adapt it to your lifestyle. Now there are two sides of that. One, obviously, you're gonna have to change your lifestyle because you if you were doing everything right, you wouldn't probably be in the situation that you're at. So if you're wanting to lose weight, you're gonna have to make some adaptations. But if a if an approach, if a book, if if a diet is is so cumbersome or so restrictive or so foreign to what you're able to do it's not going to be sustainable and it goes back to that second thing we talked about is is it doable for the long term so it has to be something that fits into your your lifestyle your culture your your tastes Uh, if it's not flexible and adaptable it's probably not gonna be the right one for you everybody is so different and I say this a thousand times because it's so true you can't cookbook this just like you can't book cookbook menopause and hormones you can't cookbook weight control it has to be flexible related to that is it has to be relatively easy to follow If you're having to get out of scale every time you eat and measure your food, that's going to last for about a day and a half. Just doesn't work. It's not feasible. It's not reasonable. It has to be relatively simple for it to be sustainable. The more complex, the more difficult it is, the less likely it's something that you're going to be able to do a long term. Uh, I hear a common quote is the best diet is one that you're going to stay on. And there's some truth to that. But it goes much deeper than that. It can't be so cumbersome, so intrusive, that it's something that you can't continue. And then finally, does it meet the smell test? And by that, I'm not talking about the food. I'm talking about that inner voice that says, this sounds like a gimmick. This sounds too good to be true. This sounds like they're just wanting to sell me something this sounds a a little bit sketchy from the get-go. There comes a point when you're choosing a plan that's right for you that there has to be a certain gut feeling that says yeah this is this this makes sense I understand the criteria I understand the science Uh, all that makes sense and it just just has that ring to it. I, I often tell people that they really need to trust that inner voice they need to trust that that sense of what's right for them well, that uh, that's gotten just about a half hour and if you are like me that's about the limit of my attention span uh, purposefully I know this was somewhat nebulous but I really only wanted to get away two points today and hopefully you took that home one is this is a very complex process it's not just a matter of calories in is equal to calories out Two, there's certain things that you need to look for whenever you're designing your plan and you have to have a plan or you're not going to be successful. What I'd like to do in future uh, future uh, live conversations is start looking at each one of these areas a little more specifically. Try to give you some very practical advice. You can imagine in this setting that's a little difficult simply because of my point about everybody being unique and different. But I'm going to try to give you some generalities that most, will, most of you can apply to your own your own life. What I'd love for you to do is to give me some feedback. If you, if you watch this, uh, make some comments on, on the Facebook page. Uh, A lot of times your comments are going to be very, very useful and helpful to other folks on the page. Certainly they're helpful to me. So I'd love to get some feedback on some of the things we talked about. Some of your challenges some of the things specific to weight gain and weight loss that need to be addressed. I know I'm going to do a completely separate one and devote it fully just to hormones because I know that's a big issue in the midlife and the impact that hormones do or don't have on weight gain. So I'm going to do that at a later time when we can devote an entire time to that. But take some time after you view this to make some comments, give some feedback, help me know how I can better meet your needs. That's a big, Part of what we're doing here. So let me know what I can do, the answers that I can give, and we'll continue along this path together.
0: Thank you for listening to the Women's Online Wellness Podcast. To join the conversation, access show notes, and discover bonus content, join our private Facebook community by sending a request to Women's Online Wellness. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more, just head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. For questions about the podcast or to get more information, email Dr. Eker at R-E-A-K-E-R at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time, choose to be healthy.